0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Thinking Project Podcast, where we interview founders and creatives to help you take the next step in your business by listening to inspired stories of these wonderful founders. I hope you enjoy this podcast and make sure to share it with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. Right, thanks for joining me, Sterling. I really appreciate you being here and taking the time. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that I've been following you on on LinkedIn for a while. Uh, you're the CRO of Divi right now, but you come from a long line of startups and scaling startups. But why don't you just uh, give us the the quick version intro for you and the quick, you know, high level uh, version of your intro.
1: Yep, you you got most of it. So named Sterling Snow, Chief Revenue Officer here at Divi. Prior to that, um, was doing revenue leadership at a company called Jive. And then prior to that at a company called Rehab Services of Nevada. So spent spent, you know, the last decade plus trying to figure out how to how to grow businesses and be a, a better leader and a team member. That's me.
0: That's cool, man. So one of the things that I like to talk about on this podcast, uh, and that I've seen you kind of write about a little bit is and actually, I heard it in your interview when you did the 20 under 20 interview with Utah Business Magazine. Yeah. Um, you talked about, you know, your entrepreneurial spirit. And I feel like one of the things in our like hustle culture world is that definition of like what an entrepreneur is. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on like what that means to you and like what, uh, what how do you, how you define an entrepreneur? Because it, it feels like it's more than just like starting your own thing and running your own business.
1: Yeah, so it's a good question, right? Um, and I will tell you that my answer sort of evolved over time. Um, I I think that I would have I would have said, hey, you know, the entrepreneur is the person who you know works twenty six hours a day on on growing their business and and goes at it that way. As as I've kind of learned and, and evolved a bit, I think that I think that entrepreneurship is chasing what you want to chase the way you want to chase it. So for some people that really legitimately is, you know, you're, you're going to work all the time. You're going to like growth at all costs. You're going to, you're going to go and do that. That's what you want to do. And then for some people it's, well, how do I get to like a four hour work week? You know, or, you know, everybody is building something different and entrepreneurship is taking ownership of what you're building. And, and, being, and being proud and, and, and happy of it. So it's not, it's not somebody else's definition of success or entrepreneurship. It's yours. Uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of how, how the answer to that has evolved for me over time. But simply put, it's entrepreneurship is, uh, is whatever you're building.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and I like that, um, you know, we can talk about this, especially as like, because I just feel, I just feel like a lot of people get lost in this. Like they want to have this entrepreneurial drive, but maybe like starting their own business isn't really cut out for them. Maybe it's like being, you know, I think I heard Tom, Bill, you say once it was like being a linchpin, you know what I mean? Like helping, like being that cause, like to show what you're really made of and like, you know, you know, instead of, uh, you know, having that, I think you put it as like a chip on your shoulder puts the chip in your pocket, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just like helping scale things. I think that that's great. I mean, I mean, what do you think has changed in that in the conversation around entrepreneurship that would lead people to think like, the only way is to, you know, work 100 hours a week or whatever?
1: You know, so here's, here's the thing. I, I don't think that you can achieve extreme outcomes without like, with, without going to the extremes. Mm -hmm. And so I think in, in extreme outcomes, like, you know, billion dollar companies and massive exits and IPOs and things like that, I think are what tend to sort of grab mindshare for us. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I, I love that personally. Like I, I do, that is what I like to be a part of and what I like to build, but that, that doesn't mean that it's the, the only way. Right, um, and in fact, there, like, like I said, there's there's a plethora of different ways, but I think that people tend to think that that's the only way because those are the ones that get talked about the most. They kind of they kind of get all all the glory and the gratification. But for everyone who who grinded their faces off and and had a really success, successful outcome, there's someone else who figured out that what they wanted to do was fish and golf and spend time with their family while you know making 100k a year passively from their business and they're not winning any less their definition of success is just different and you don't hear about that one as much so I I think it's more just what what tends to cross our news feeds at the end of the day and (laughs) and and that's kind of that's the challenging part that's that's also why it's important to decide for yourself what success is don't try and copy someone else's version of it because uh, it's a dead end road.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of things you said in there um, that that really stuck out to me. But one, and that you talk about kind of frequently um, that I've seen on like your Twitter and, and LinkedIn and things like that is like uh, finding clarity in your life. Yeah. Right. And uh, and I think it, you know, what, what you were just talking about is like that definition of like really finding like being clear on what your goals are and where you want to go in life. And so something that you talk about quite a bit, I'm I'm curious to hear about your insights on how do you find clarity in your goals and in your life?
1: Yeah. So this is a really good question. Um, the, the learnings for me have come from watching people who I really respect and just being like, well, how, what are they doing different than me? Because a lot of times you'll notice they're not like that much smarter or that much more experienced or anything. And so you're kind of trying to figure out, well, well what's making you different than me? And in like asking that for years, one of the things that I identified is people who are very purposeful very proactive so uh, it's it's pretty easy to for life to just happen to you right you you graduate from school you get a job you know before you know you're 45 and like it it just kind of tends to happen to you day after day you just you you uh go through these motions the people who i ended up really admiring and respecting had an ability to like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna press pause here this is where i'm at am i on the path that leads to where i want to go and if so, great, I'm going to keep doing it. If not, okay, I'm going to make changes. And, and you asked about clarity, like how do you actually do the work of understanding where you want to go? I think that's an incredibly challenging conversation. By the way, it changes too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What I want today, I'm not 100% sure is going to be the same thing that what it's going to be what I want in, in two years, three years. Uh, it could change. So the, the big thing there is taking the time to do the work. And be honest with yourself because <laughs> it's so easy to be like, well, I want big houses and fast cars, like I don't, riches and fame. And like, okay, that's everybody's answer. What's your answer? Mm-hmm. It, it, and, it, and actually do the work um, to, to craft the life that you want to have. So doing the work is one thing. And then the second thing is frequent check-ins. Check in with yourself every quarter, every month, whatever your cadence is and say, "Okay, this is what I thought I wanted. Is it still what I want? And don't change it just because it's hard. Of course not. But change it if you literally have had a shift in your thinking or your utility set. Um, So that's that's kind of how I think you get to clarity is you spend a lot of time wrestling with it and then you have frequent check in points because it doesn't it's not stagnant. We're not we're not stagnant beings.
0: Right. Well, and that's the hard part. I mean, that's probably the question that I, I, that I hate the most. And like, if you're interviewing for a job or something, like, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years? And it's like, I I don't know, man, because you know, I'm like, I'm 28 and my, and and I love how you said that because I, I feel like the same way, like my goals have changed, not because it's been hard, but because like I had these pivotal moments where I'm like, I was on the right path and I, and I needed to be on that particular path to get to the point that opened my eyes to like oh this is actually you know what i want to be in and, and things like that so i really appreciate that i think people just get lost in this clarity and i think you're right like they just like want to be someone else you know what i mean and that was the point yeah. of this podcast that was the thesis behind this is like stop focusing on all i don't know people just i think they focus on like the big people like jeff bezos warren buffett sure. Elon Musk, say yep. etc right because that's all they know but then they but then they listen to a podcast and meet people like Sterling Snow, right? Who are like, oh, hey, this is different, but he's living the life that I can see myself actually living. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, no. And uh, an interesting point that I think you just articulated there is when it's important to have an answer about wh- what path you're on, like, where do I want it? Where do I see myself in five years? I think it's important to have an answer to that question, but then to, to iterate frequently. Because like you said, you have these emerging opportunities that come in your life and and an evolved thinking and, and situational awareness, and then you decide right like, is it still that thing that I was aiming at or do I move it five degrees to the left or is it a, a complete 180 but If you don't have something you're pursuing actively, you don't, you don't put yourself in a position to have sort of those emerging strategies that can allow you to further refine sort of your goal and purpose. So it's like, that's because I think people get stuck on that. It's like, well, shit, I don't know
0: what I, what I want to be in five years. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by none other than empatheticselling.com. Empatheticselling.com is for founders and salespeople and business owners who want to generate more leads, win more customers, and go further in their business. Empathetic Selling gives you access to all of my videos and training courses on selling and lead generation. It gives you special access to our Discord community and weekly live events held by me with our community so that we can answer your questions in real time and get you rolling in the right direction with your business. So for only $47 a month, you can start leveling up. Go to empatheticselling.com, links in the description below and in the show notes if you're watching on YouTube. Please join. It'll be the best decision you ever made. Thank you so much. Have a goal
1: anyway, have a purpose anyway. Knowing that it's probably going to evolve and look a little different, but if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, right? <laughs> I think that's a that's a Zig Ziglar quote, but yeah. You know, don't don't never ever ever be aiming at nothing. Yeah. But also have flexibility and 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 give yourself the latitude to change as as different information enters the picture.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I I like that. And something that I've discovered that I that I've, you know, there's a lot of things I want to talk about. I I think you know, following you on LinkedIn and Twitter has has been a lot of fun. And I was on a conversation with somebody earlier in this podcast, because when I talk with like sales leaders or founders or like big business owners inevitably this conversation of culture comes up and yeah. it's always frustrated me because I felt like culture is like really ambiguous. Like when I feel like I, you know, you're going through interviews or something like that and you got to interview with a few different people and they're like, we just want to make sure you're a culture fit. I feel like they're really saying like, are we going to like you? Right. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, which is fine. You got to like the people that you work with. Um, but I had, I had, it's funny. I read what you wrote. And then I remembered this conversation I have, which is like the a great culture is centered around winning. I think you mentioned that, right? Like is a winning culture. So I think in in a, you know, in a position like you have when you're over so many different departments, customer success, experience, sales, marketing, rev ops, all those things, it can get, it can get kind of muddy on like what the culture wants to be. So in your case with a company like Divi and build.com, how do you create a cult, like a winning culture? Like how do you define what winning is? How do you start implementing that? I know that's kind of a deep question, but Love to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, you you kind of actually started to answer it. When you think about, because I, I do believe that great cultures are about winning and winning together. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, well, what is winning? And that goes back to what we started talking about, which is that's very different for everybody. It's very different for every organization. And so to me, when, when you think about like culture fits and, and interviewing for culture fit and stuff like that, it's kind of BS. But what I'm trying to figure out is, do you define winning the same way as, as we want to define winning here because when you get misaligned there um, you're you're in for a lot of pain so let me give you an example like there are, there are people who winning to them is like a, an awesome work life balance and i and i'm home for dinner every night and i don't miss a baseball game and all that kind of stuff and that's phenomenal like good for you but if if somebody else defines winning as hey we're trying to be you know the fastest company to get to a billion dollars in revenue on the the face of the earth those two definitions of winning are are not going to jive with each other and you're not you're not going to be like a quote unquote culture fit neither of you is wrong by the way those are both perfectly fine definitions of winning they're just, they're just different. So mm-hmm. defining what winning looks like at your organization is, is first and foremost. And for us at Divi, we were a growth company in a very competitive market. I mean, we raised almost half a billion dollars of, of venture capital and, and, and went, we went for uh, the moonshot. So our definition of winning really was built around how do we go very fast, very aggressive, and and capture a lot of market share. So it it was a very fast ascension. It was a grind. It was all those things. And that's how we defined winning. And and you find that if you're open and honest about that, you attract the kind of people who they want to do that too. And and that's their definition of winning as well. and, And they want to be a part of that. But where I got it so wrong for so many years is, I was like, that's the only definition of winning. You know, I want to be Elon Musk, you know, even though, you know, we're the Delta between me and Elon Musk is, you know, <laughs> the difference between like Michael Jordan and a junior jazz player, but like, you know, you, you kind of like, you want to, you want to be, you want to get there. And so, um, I, I think that it's winning is defined by the individual and by the organization. And when those match, you can have a really good culture. And then it's focusing on, well, how do we go out and execute against our definition of winning and what the job that we want to accomplish and the things we want to do together. So um, yeah, that, that, those are kind of, kind of the thoughts on, on culture and and winning and, and how you do that.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, it just, I used to describe it to people because that's what I came up with. Right. was like, you know, what does culture mean? And I think when I, when I, you know, it was reinforced when I heard, when I saw you write that, it was reinforced when I heard another founder talk about that. And then it just made sense. Like, you know, if like you're playing a college sport or something, right? Like, like you're, you're trying to find the team that fits your version of winning, whether that's like yeah. a good education and going to the NFL or, or whatever. Right. Like, uh, so I appreciate that. And I just, you know, it kind of goes back to that conversation of like, what does success look like for you? Like some people it's like, you know, fishing and making passive income. Some people it's like grinding and, and scaling startups or whatever, or having this job. And I think people just get so confused that there's like, that this is the the definition of winning. And if I can't write, a, you know, if I can't write a viral post on LinkedIn about my life, then <laughs> you know what I mean? That it's like not worth it. Yeah. Right. Totally. It's crazy. How totally. It Yeah,
1: and and um, you know, that's kind of one of the curses of humanity, right? Is is comparison and stuff like that. And the truth of it is is we're all running a very individual race here. And uh you you shouldn't waste any time running a race that you have no interest in actually winning.
0: So like
1: like I said, like you were saying, there's there's people who their their definition of winning is like I it's having a phenomenal work-life balance and getting to spend lots of time on passion projects and family and stuff like that. And, and hell yeah, like good for you. But, um, like don't waste any time saying, well, I want to go do venture-backed startups and go swing for the, you know, swing for the fences and, and stuff like that. It's just, that's a waste. Cause that's not actually what you, that's not actually winning in your eyes. Right. So, Anyway, I, cause I get, <laughs> I get a lot of that with leadership too. People are like, well, what do I, what do I need to do to be a, a senior director, or a VP or something like that. Right. And you're like, yeah. I can tell you, but you need to, you need to know if that's actually what you want. Do you right. actually want to have more, more stress, more time committed, <laughs> more, you know, all of those things, half the time, you know, you make less money. Like, do you actually want to do those things? If you do, I'll tell you the good things. The good things are you get to grow and you get to develop and you get to have an impact in on a, on a, on more people, stuff like that. Like, it's not like it's all bad, but do you sure. actually want the burden of leadership or do you just think you're supposed to want it? <laughs> right. Like, there are so many people who would be happier if they would just admit to themselves what they actually want. <laughs> yeah. Um, which goes
0: back to our conversation of clarity. Right. And I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yes,
1: no, exactly. It's like, what do you actually want? And admit it to yourself and then be very shameless about it. If, and by the way, that goes on both sides. If you want to be the next Elon Musk, say it, own it, go act like it, go work on that. If you actually just want to be a solopreneur that gets to have the ultimate Amount of freedom and flexibility, then go work on that. But admit it to yourself, and then and then be shameless about trying to chase it. Be trying to to yeah. win whatever your definition of winning is.
0: Yeah, I love. I love. You know, there's that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much about what you were saying that that just resonated because it it really is. It's like get clear on what you want, start working at it, and you know what I found is like most people like that I that I talk to in, in this podcast and things are like. They, they have that they like I want to do this and then you know I read that book called uh the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in there he was talking about like the question is like the question isn't how bad do you want it it's what like how how much are you willing to suffer to get what yeah. you want you know what I mean like that's a different question not like because I want it really bad but am I willing to suffer for it right like people yeah. ask me about the podcast all the time it's like you got to be willing to get rejected and have really shitty yep. interviews sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's like uh, wanting it is, yeah, it's you're, you're, you're hitting, you're hitting the nail on the head. It's like everyone theoretically would want to be Elon Musk, Sure. Yeah. but do you understand that wanting to be Elon Musk means <laughs> X, Y, and Z and that's, and then you don't actually want it. That's not actually your definition of winning. Yeah. And don't yeah. let somebody else define what winning is for you in your life. You get exactly one crack at this uh, mortal journey that we're all on together. And, and so don't waste one single second um, that, that's not actually coherent with what you want to be to be doing. So um, I don't know, like. I think the, the person that we lie to the most often is ourselves at the end of the day. And one thing we yes, do sir. is we tell ourselves, we want things that that we don't actually want. And we end up wasting a lot of time, burning a lot of cycles in that process. So yeah, yeah. kind of interesting.
0: That's cool. So I will shift gears a little bit. Cause I I've been in sales like my entire career. Um, so I love nerding out about selling and, and I was really interested when you went on, uh, I forgot the, uh, it was a conversation with, on NASDAQ, right. Yeah. About like revenue growth and things like that. Um, but one thing that was really interesting on there that I talk frequently, like, you know, if I have like somebody in marketing or somebody come on is what you mentioned in, in alignment between sales and marketing. And I thought it was really interesting when you said like, give them, uh, measure them on KPIs to go one deep, like one step deeper, uh, from elements they can control, uh, yeah. to kind of, to kind of force alignment there. Uh, has your views on that stayed the same? How have you kept going on that?
1: Yeah, no, big, big believer in that. Um, I, I like to say it, at Divi, we don't have a, a marketing team and a sales team. We have revenue teams. We have one revenue team. And then within that, we have different areas of focus. So your area of focus might be marketing, but you're part of the revenue team. Therefore, you know, your version of success is probably a little different than if you just had a marketing team, right? Mm. And so when you measure somebody one step deeper in the funnel where they don't have full control over it, they, they kind of like, it's a baton pass and it's half, half on you, half on someone else that forces a very deep level of partnership and ownership and collaboration. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also believe satisfaction. Like I I think that people do better work and they're, they're happier and all those things, but it is a little unique. Um, the same, same thing with sales, right? Like they have this handoff mode, moment with implementation and some shared responsibility and accountability where it typically is be like, Hey, like I did my job. Now you go do yours. It's like, no, we all have a job to do together. And that's, that's sort of how measuring somebody one step deeper in the funnel can, can create that alignment in that, uh, we, we call it swing, but like rowing in the same direction.
0: Yeah. How, now my initial thoughts, you know, were, I bet you get a lot of pushback with that, like from marketing or from sales or or anybody like that. Um, Is that, am I off base there? Do you get, did you get, I mean, at first, maybe, maybe not now, but.
1: be 100% honest with you. When I get pushback on that, I'm like, perfect. We can move on. You are not like, you're not, if you don't want this system, Mm. then we, then, then the system doesn't want you but we've attracted the right kind of people because of it. So, you know, a a quick example, like VP of marketing, uh, a gentleman named Rick Galan had a phenomenal career, you know, Qualtrics, um, 1-800 contacts, just like some real great stops on, on his resume. And he was actually attracted to the job because of the way that we measured marketing and because of the fact that they were integrated into this revenue team. And so the folks who push back on that, it's typically because they're doing things and they want to work on things that don't impact that revenue in in quite as tangible or material of a way. And I'm like, perfect. Thank you for self-selecting out. We like, that's not who we are. Um, So anyway, it's kind of a sorting function that's been super helpful for us, to be honest.
0: Hey, that's great though, because uh, if you get somebody who's willing to do that and like willing to partner. Uh, then that's great. I mean, that's kind of like in sales, right? Like you would rather know in the first five yes. minutes of a deal <laughs> if we're not a fit than in the last, You know what I mean? Then when like you told your <laughs> sales.
1: The second best thing that can happen is to get a fast no. Like yeah, exactly. That's literally yeah. the second best thing that can happen. <laughs> Same thing with interviewing. Yeah. What you what you would hate is to because that doesn't mean they're not smart. Just because they don't want to, it doesn't mean they're not smart. So you could go through a whole interview process, fall in love with somebody, get them in and then, oh, you know, this isn't actually what you want to be a part of building. And then, then you're in, then you have a a pretty crappy situation on your hands. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like, like you said, getting, getting to a fast understanding of like, oh, this, this wouldn't be a fit. That's amazing for the candidate and for us.
0: Yeah. It's like, cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't want to, you don't want to go through all of that for. For nothing, so I really, yeah, totally. I really like that. And then, and then, um, yeah, I mean, that kind of alignment between sales and marketing because that's a hard alignment to get. But it seems like you guys have figured it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something you work on every day. But yeah, yeah I, I think that we have phenomenal <laughs> leaders and team members who they think and they act like that, and that's very much yeah. become uh, the, the ethos and the culture. And then it doesn't mean you're not still working on on things together, but we work on them together. Um, there's, there's no like finger pointing or you didn't do this or I didn't do that. It's very much a, how do we come together and how do we work on, on these challenges?
0: That's cool. I like that. And you talk a lot about books. I saw a while ago, you were asking for like book recommendations. I think that's great. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's so many smart people out there, (laughs) um, in, in conversations like this and, and stuff like that, you really. Like if you if you can kind of leech from the wisdom of crowds, uh, that that's a good spot to be in. So yeah, definitely definitely love love reading and, and love when people recommend books to me too.
0: That's cool. What what book? Uh, I'm gonna flip it. What book do you recommend to people the most?
1: So it, it's a very popular one, and most people have read it by now. But the the number one book that that I recommend and that we have people read here at Divi is Extreme Ownership. Um, oh, cool. Willink. Yeah. um, it's just like everything in my view, every single thing about being successful in, in your work life or your personal life starts with accountability mm-hmm. and, and ownership. And that's what that book teaches you how to, how to do. So yeah. anyway, that's, that's like the, the
0: one that everybody should read to start with for sure. i like that. You know, it was funny when I started in the, I, so I started my sales journey eight years ago ish in the car business, and we went to, uh, you know, like, and then I eventually got promoted into leadership, and we went to a a leadership conference with Leif Babin and Jocko Willink, and uh, a whole, like, ownership, and it was great, but you know what, like, a moment of levity for a minute. It was interesting because, like, Leif Babin's voice and Jocko Willink's voice I thought should have been flip-flopped. I don't know if you've ever heard like them, but like Leaf is like, I mean, dude, that guy could still kick my ass. So, you know, whatever it is, what it is, but like I, Leaf ha- is like this kind of shorter guy and he's got that really deep voice. And then yeah. Jocko is kind of more tall and bigger and, and he doesn't have like a high pitch voice, but I just, I was like, Oh, that's kind of crazy. I you were-
1: <laughs> I've listened to Jocko a lot, just, you know, podcasts and different things like that. I haven't listened uh-huh. to Leaf. So I'll have to have to go <laughs> check out how, how those vocal cords are working. Yeah.
0: He's like, he's got like a really deep, like gruff voice. And I was like, Oh, that's crazy. But yeah, all I all think I
1: is, all I know is if I saw either one of those guys <laughs> in a dark alley, like I'm turning around. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, it. for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Either way, they're they're going to kill me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you so step, you know, if marketing has that that one step deeper in the funnel. How do you measure that for sales? Like, how do you get sales to integrate with marketing and, and in a healthy way? Yeah,
1: well, I mean, sales actually like you, you kind of get forced if you're if you're good at sales, right. And if you're a yeah. sales leader, you understand that that, that partnership is your lifeblood mm-hmm. and you need to partner with them like you need to understand what their goals and, and systems are and how to work through those to get what you need because you need a certain amount of demand to be generated. You need a certain conversion rate. You need a certain deal size. Like you have all these requirements as a, as a sales professional to be successful at your job. And, uh, the, you know, the best way to get that is through partnering upstream with marketing. And so smart people understand that and they work on that. And, you know, I, I, think, uh, Woody Clementson's the the gentleman who runs all of our sales here. He's like phenomenal at that, but where does he spend most of his time? He spends it between finance and marketing. Mm -hmm. And because if, you know, if he's got, the model tuned in and he's got the, the marketing relationship set up, then, you know, the the actual selling part becomes, I, I don't want to say easy, it's never easy, but it becomes easier. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly your, your odds of success improve if you, if you partner with those folks that are actually responsible for <laughs> handing you the baton.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think the lesson I learned too late in sales that I wish I would have spent more time on is marketing. Like I didn't understand, like you know, sales, like we do the thing, like we're the we're the guys and the girls, you know what I mean? Um, and then I realized really quickly like, oh wow, this is this marketing thing is a lot harder than I thought it was gonna be. Oh,
1: oh, yeah. and and by <laughs> the way, I think every good partnership starts with mutual appreciation. Right. Yeah. And nobody can can look and say, well, you know, your job's easy and my job's hard or your job's not important. And mine is like it, it all starts from sort of a basic understanding of the importance and the value that, that somebody else is bringing. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's very common in sales to not have a good understanding of marketing. Maybe in some cases, not even really an appreciation for it. it's like, oh, you're you're like the fake sales people that you know, don't actually do anything. And that's true in some organizations. Right. Yeah. Um, but the good partnerships are are based on sort of that mutual admiration that, that should be there between two high performing teams.
0: That's cool. So in a startup, you're you're what I mean, do you try to bring both of those positions on at the same time? Do you try to bring a marketer and a salesperson on at the same time? Or do you have to like cause here's what I've seen a lot of like people either rely on one end or the other end? I haven't seen a real mix at the beginning of these.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I try to give marketing a little bit of a head start, just because like you, you want you want that engine to be going a little bit before you start building out sales. But it's not it's not perfect, right? And it's very situational. It depends on mm-hmm. you know how big's the company, how big, how much money have you raised, like stuff like that. But in a perfect world, you'd give marketing like a three month <laughs> head start, um, and then you'd start bringing on like sales leaders and sales professionals to yeah. to start converting that demand but you know that's kind of a, in an ideal <laughs> state it rarely happens like that you know
0: sure yeah and you got to do as you got to do sometimes you got to like you know you know sometimes you do just got to start selling we got to see if there's like an actual need for this totally. uh, and you do that with like outbound right
1: Yep. You, and, and a lot of people start there. I, I definitely am a big proponent of starting with inbound just because it scales better. It's more cost efficient. It, it gives you an ability to test a little bit faster, but certainly can can start with outbound and, and get a lot of the same learnings that way.
0: Okay, cool. So we have a few more minutes left. And before I, I turn the time back to you to kind of uh, let everybody know how they can find you, um, you're a big a big voice for the Utah economy and Utah business. Um, what do you think is the biggest like contributing factor to Utah's economy and business ecosystem?
1: Oh, man. So <laughs> a really good question. I, I would agree. Utah's, Utah's definitely seeing a lot of really cool growth and momentum right now. The biggest reason for that, oof, I, at the end of the day, I think you have a, a high concentration of people who want to build people who are kind of drawn to this idea of building and scaling and, and a high, a pretty high tolerance for like risk and stuff like that. And, and I, I would just say that culturally Utah, a lot of, a lot of people who think and act like that have ended up in Utah. And so when you have a high concentration of people like that, businesses start sprouting up all over the place. And then once you have one business that's successful, where 100 people got to see how it was successful and those people go out and you kind of get a little bit of a flywheel going on in the ecosystem. But I think the the single biggest contributing factor is just the kind of the biological makeup of the people who live here. I think you've got a lot of people who just want to build.
0: Yeah, who just have a lot of grit and a lot of spirit. And you know what, it's just it's cool to see that because, you know, you, you t- I talk to a lot of founders and they're like mine is the coolest idea ever and I'm like for sure <laughs> in your <laughs> mind right but like yeah. you gotta and I don't want to call it any names like I'm not trying to make fun of people but you have to have like a healthy level of like what's the word maybe like delusion or something that you oh. can make it
1: what do they call it there's actual like research yeah. about it with founders it's called reality distortion field <laughs> I think is what it like the name of it is but yeah I mean so like but it's I healthy about- like healthy like you know what yeah. I mean like- super healthy. But I look at Blake Murray and, uh, and Alex Bean, who started Divi. And these yeah. are guys who were basically like, hey, yeah, I think we can start a billion dollar business doing, you know, <laughs> uh, credit cards for, for other companies, corporate cards and making expense management free. And I'm like, when you have that thought, and there's no product, no people, no nothing, that's not a rational thought. You have to be, you have to be irrational to accomplish something that that's pretty extreme. So I I mean, I love them. I love founders to death. (laughs) I like, I like have a reverence for them. They're like a a sacred being because they, they turn nothing into something over and over and over again. That's pretty freaking cool.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. No. and, And it's just cool to see that in Utah. Like there's so many and it's, and it's wonderful and yeah, it does. I think you're right on the flywheel idea because it definitely is contagious. Like you're like, "Who? this is cool. Right. Like this yeah. is unique. And, uh, cool. and that's really fun. Well, uh, Sterling, I really appreciate your time. Um, I really appreciate all the, all the nuggets and, and the wisdom that you shared. Um, feel free though. How can people find you if they want to get a, involved with you? Where's the best way to do that? And then if they want to get involved with Divvy or anything like that. How do they do that?
1: Yeah. Dalton, you mentioned it. Um, I'm, I'm pretty active and annoying on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. So just uh, Sterling Snow, Divi, you can find me, follow me there. Happy to, happy to share whatever I'm, I'm thinking about at the moment. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, Divi, Divi is a cool product um, for anybody who has a business. It's a, a free service that allows you to budget, manage, spend, have a corporate card program. So we, uh, we, we love anyone who wants to use us to, to come on board for that too. And And I appreciate
0: the conversation. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much.